Thanks, Ben. Great story. Great news, Gwen. Well, happy Mother's Day from me too. I hope you all got all the love and affection that you deserve. And um, there's an army next door as well. An army of kids are all working hard to create something special for their mums. I think there's a few dads in there as well. So there's a lot going on. So um, I think last week we had 88 kids between 0 and 12 hanging around out the back there. It was, and with the adults there, there was, that church out, out there was bigger than this church in here. Debbie some, sometimes says to me, um, how come you've got all the worship team out there? I've got, I've got one person out here who can't sing. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of good things going on out there. What's out there is going to trickle in here. What's out there is going to, gonna, you know, it's, it's not going to take long. You know, they're going to be in our youth group. They're going to be at, at the door. They're going to be in the cafe. They're going to just swamp the place. Praise the Lord for mums. We can thank them for that. A few, um, just want to share a simple word today, being Mother's Day. And... Um, but uh, it's in line with what Ben was saying as well. It's about our vision and um, it's just about the love of God, how great his love is. Uh, a few, few, few months ago, my mum uh, went home to be with Jesus. Um, she had her funeral here. It was quite, um, it was in one way sad and one way it was really joyful because my mum knew Jesus and I know where she is. And uh, she's pretty happy, so that's, that's great. But my sister pick, picked a song uh, at the, for the funeral. I remember it was called Supermarket Flowers. And I thought, what is that, you know? I'm just trying to have something, you know, hev- heavenly and about God. And, but anyway, I went home and played the song. I don't know who's heard the song. It's uh, listened, you know, you, you go onto you, YouTube and these songs are like being listened by 135 million people, of which I wasn't one of them, and uh, never knew the song. But it has this word, it was a very touching song, very heart-rendering uh, song, but it had this line in it, you were an angel in the shape of my mum. And uh, it sort of goes on with this and you sort of watch the pictures of your mum in her life and it's sort of really really difficult to get through. But I thought for all of us, um, there's something reflective of the divine. There's something reflective of God in our mothers. Now, I might... Uh, it's, you know, it's, not, it's not, not by chance that when God searches for a human reflection in his creation of his great love, you know, he wants to set the bar above something, you know, and... He, you know, he, ha- he has a verse like this. He says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. It's, lo- it's like that song we said, I'll never let you down. I'll never let you down. No matter how much human beings fail, God is so much higher. But there's a reflection. There's a reflection of God in, in mothers, and it's about his love. Now, I don't want to get into theological trouble, and, um, and, but, you know, we often, when we talk about God, we use the image of our father, you know, that's what the Bible says. But, you know, 
God's image, his reflection, is in his creation. And his creation is man. And I'll just read a verse to you. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Now, without getting theological or getting myself into trouble, you know, God's image is revealed in all of his creation and in both, you know, mums and dads. You know, there's no gender in heaven. Do you know, you know that? In the, or in the age to come. When Jesus comes back, however it works out, he says we're going to be like the angels. He said, for in the resurrection, this is what he said. He said, you err not knowing the word of God when he was asked this story once about this guy whose wife died, sorry, the guy died and then the, the wife married the brother and it went on and on. And he said, Who's, who's, whose wife shall she be in heaven? And he said, you err not knowing the scriptures. He says, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they're like the angels in heaven. So I started to think about, you know, we all, we all, there's something divine about a mother's love. There's something a little bit reflective of God. And I, I started to think about a couple of things that it speaks to me of. One is a mother's love has no conditions. Do you find that? You know, if, you know we don't, there are no prerequisites with a mum. It's, it's a given. You've got total acceptance. You know, it's often used as a slur. You know, well, his mother loves him. You know what I mean? It's like everyone else will let him down, everyone else will cast him aside, but his mother loves him. And I can remember when I'd come to the Lord. I mean, I'd, before I came to give my life to Jesus, my life was a mess. And uh, I remember my mum coming up to the church. I'd been saved about a year and she's in this little meet, meet, meeting. And... Um, I think it was Gwen says to her, you know, so what do you think? She's sort of, Gwen's trying to get out, you're really happy about the change? And, she, you know, her, her, her first words, typical mother, I knew he'd, you know, I knew he'd come good. You know what I mean? It's like always believing, always loving, never letting you go. That's, that, that is reflective of God. God's always there for us. He's always in the fire. He's always believing for us. He's always uh, accepts us. We never have to struggle for our acceptance from God. He accepts us without us doing anything, without us having to earn it. Uh, It's not based on our abilities. It's not based on our efforts. It's not based on our looks. Every newborn gets instant acceptance from their mother. Uh, They're beautiful. Every baby's beautiful. Every one of them. Uh, last night we had dinner with my son Chris and his wife Casey and our little granddaughter whose name is Alia. Now, Alia is very engaging, she's not quite one, but she's talking to you with her eyes and expressions because her mum's quite like that. But she's got one distinct thing about, 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 about her, which in the first baby shot, it's as clear as clear. She's got this big dimple on her chin, you know? And you think... Uh, she got that from my side. It even passed. It didn't, it didn't get on me. It didn't get on James and Chris. But my dad had a big dimple. And here's this little girl, pretty little girl, with a big dimple. Did mum worry? Did anyone worry? No, no. Just accepted. A mother's love is unconditional. And it's just like 
the love of God. In Romans it says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was ready, he was after us before we even gave him a thought. He loved us. In Ephesians it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we didn't deserve it, he made us alive together with Christ By grace, you've been saved. You know, the whole message of grace is liberating. It's the fact that uh, God took the initiative. God took the first step to us. God, God loved us even when we're broken and we fell and and we moved away from him. The other thing I thought about mother's love is, um, that's reflective of God's love, is they're self-sacrificing. You know, Mothers will lay down their agendas for the welfare of their families. They'll sacrifice time and treasure for their kids. If there is a need in one of their kids, um, just don't stand between a mother and a needy child. That's all I can say. You know, they will sacrifice. No sacrifice is too little. You know, I can remember, you know... We see this not just in our mothers, we see it in our wives. We see it in the way they care for their kids. We see it in grandmothers. We see um, this, this, this ability to just reach, uh, to sort of sacrifice all to meet a need and to see their lives change. The, the wisest man who ever lived was Solomon and he recognised the depth of this type of love. There was two mothers that came to Solomon one day to settle their dispute. Both the mothers were living in the same house and both had baby infants, little boys, I think. One of the babies had been smothered and both mothers were now claiming to the king that the surviving uh, son was their son. Now, Solomon struggled to get the truth out of who actually was the mother. So he calls for a sword and he declares that the surviving baby will be cut in two and each will get half. And sure enough, the woman whose son was alive said to the king with a yearning heart, Oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. And the other woman said... He shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. You know, and Solomon says, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is the mother. She is willing to sacrifice even the right and all the the joy of having this child of her own for the rest of her life or or whatever. You know, all that attack. Uh, uh, attachment. She's, she's willing to sacrifice it all for the child's welfare. Mothers will sacrifice every right, every interest of their own for the welfare of their kids. I thought about other things. I thought about kindness, you know. That's another thing about God. He's kind. And it's so in, I mean... I look at, I have to look at my own life as a, as a dad and I look at Deb and I look at when kids growing up and I thought Deb was, 
Definitely more unconditional. Definitely more self-sacrificing in, you know, just not, not just with the kids but in that side. And definitely more kind. I mean, I think I've learnt to be kinder because of Deb. I've learnt to be more self-sacrificing. And, and mothers, mothers open up that side in our lives that is the love of God. No doubt some of the richest colours of the love of God find their strongest reflection in this canvas we call our mums. And yet, and yet, for, for however good your mum is, was, or even perhaps wasn't, because some, you know, we're, we, 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 we are human and they fail, God transcends them all. That reflection we're seeing is at perfection in our God because it says God is love. I just, you know, it, it's almost like that word is just too simple a word to express all that God is. I mean, we're almost saying, if we're saying God on one hand and we're saying love on the other hand, it's almost like a word that gets used for love songs and for loving your puppy or loving your cat and everything else. How does it capture really all that God is? It says God is love. It's the nature and character of God to love. God does not get up and make a decision to love. He just loves because that's who he is. That is our God. In regard to self-sacrificing, he's the ultimate. It says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Isn't it just wonderful? I mean, some, sometimes we need to just sit and dwell on it. The, the, uh, the magnitude of God's great love for us. Any description you give to the word love has to encompass all that God is. When you hear the word love, God and all he is and all he has done should flood your thoughts. I was reading a passage about the crucifixion recently and how Jesus was, um, you know, the soldiers uh, spat on him, mocked him, put a robe on him to mock him, put a crown of thorns on him, spat on him. And I thought, here's, here's God. This, 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 this guy's just not a man that's going through pain. This is God himself, took on flesh, uh, went through all that, was scourged, and here he is, and uh, that is the love of God. The simple revelation that God loves you, the experience of God's love will change your life, won't it? It's changed us. It's not just knowledge about God. It's not just um, scriptures. It's, it's actually an, an encounter with God himself and the love of God. I was listening to a song last night um, goes back about 13 years, uh, Kim, Kim Walker, whatever her name was, and she sang this song years ago, Oh, How He Loves Us. It's a really good tonic. It's a really good... Oh, oh, oh. I think she has this part in there in the song where she says, 
to have an encounter with the love of God. You know, when people meet Jesus, when they met him, they were changed. His unconditional love, his acceptance, his sacrifice for them, his kindness, it transformed them. We've all got that testimony when we've met Jesus. We've all uh, had some experience where we've encountered God and it's more than just something in our head. It's an encounter with love itself because God is love. I can remember, from, you know, for me, uh, when our church was a house church and coming my first time here and in a house, in a little lounge room, people singing, sitting around just worshipping Jesus and uh, we had a, a, a practice where people would get a spiritual song and they would just uh, sing out this song. And I can remember a couple of um, young women in the church at the time sang and I can remember... Just hearing those songs, I felt, I felt loved. I felt like God was in the room and he was reaching into the depths of my heart and I felt like something was going to explode and I was going to make a fool of myself and cry. And then there was a couple more songs. What is it? It's an encounter with God, but what is it? You're feeling love. You're feeling love. It, it was personal. It was intense. It was unconditional. It was accepting it was unearned, it was kind, it was all these things that God is, because God is love. You know, it's, it's not just one word. It's like in uh, Corinthians, Paul ha- had to go through all these things. Love is kind, love is humble, love doesn't boast. It's got all these things. That is God. When Jesus met tax collectors, p- prostitutes, sinners, they all found his love irresistible. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, is invited by a Pharisee to his house and Zacchaeus accepts the offer. Why would he go there? And he went there and he had such a change, he turned his entire life around and he gave up, he gave all his money back to those that he'd robbed and he, even more. What happened? He met Jesus. He had an encounter with his great love. How great is his love. Oh, how he loves us. Read you a couple of verses about the love of God just to wash you. It says here in Romans 8, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also with him graciously give us all things? You know, God's love never has a hook in it. God's never got an agenda that we need to be um, thinking that he's not after, he's not about our best. He's always concerned for what's best for us and for our good. It's, uh, Paul, Paul says that you, being rooted and ground, ground, grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's all about love. It's this encounter with love. In Psalms it says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. 
your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O Lord. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. It's like that psalm Ben read. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. There's something where we need to just sit and encounter afresh the love of God and realise how, how much he loves us. Lamentations, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We have this vision up here which says transforming our community through the love and power of Jesus. Very simple words and yet so powerful as Ben was saying before. You know, if we experience the love and power of Jesus, um, we, we are transformed. And if people experience that, they are transformed. And, if, and, and as Ben was saying, it's only got to happen to one and then it happens to another and it's like fire that spreads and a community can be transformed. The bottom line is there's really only two simple strategies. One is loving love. We need to love one another and love people like Jesus loved us. And the other thing is we need his power. We need to be empowered by the same whole Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus. So today I'm just wanting to refresh us and to stir up about love. And a couple of weeks' time, it's Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? Pentecost. We might spend a bit of time stirring up the fire of God. Because if we just have those two simple things working, it's not rocket science. If we have love, if, it's, if, if the love of God is what people encounter when they meet us and they... Uh, connect with the body of Christ and if the, the power of God is in our lives, the spirit of God, people will be changed. The challenge for all of us as followers of Jesus with this great love is to do likewise. Paul has said, pursue love. Or in one translation it says, follow the way of love. We're told to be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. As good as mothers may be and as good as the reflection they may be, we're commanded to follow Jesus and his example. This is the key little verse. He said, love one another as I have loved you. It's not just love. We've got to love like he loves it's got to be all those things. It's got to be unconditional. It's got to be, um, it's got to be uh, kind. It's got to be all those things. The exciting thing is if we love one another, it's the most attractional dynamic we could ever have. Jesus said it's actually what makes us distinct from everyone else. It says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you love one another. 
Simple, but not easy. Jesus wasn't commanding them to feel something. He's commanding them to do something. I don't know about you, but uh, I regularly, at different times, can feel a disappointment that what I may have said or done was, wasn't particularly very loving. Does anyone else in that boat? For God, you know, he just seems to manage to do it all the time, consistently without fail. But is anyone else here like me that can find in the heat of the workplace or in the heat of uh, relationships or whatever life is, maybe, maybe on the phone to tell, tell, tell Telstra, maybe a telemarketer rings, perhaps someone's, you know, done, done a mistake, someone's cost you money, whatever it is, do you sometimes find that kindness is not the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I've got a couple of verses that speak to me that are helpful to echo in my head um, that help me to love more. The first one is, is this, 1 John 3. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You just simply got to die. That's all I know. Is that your experience? Sometimes it's just, okay, I'm just going to, you just got to crucify the flesh, just die to your old nature. It's just such a key that we just lay down our lives. The thing is, it's not a strategy that we need to put in place. It's, love is to be lived and it's a culture that we just need to live out. Love means action. Loving people is not just an emotional feeling. It's a little bit more than warm fuzzies and moist eyes, as much as I get, we can get them. Um, we never fully obey God's command to love one another and love our neighbours by just thinking nice things about them. I often think about love languages, you know. I remember... Um, bringing flowers home to Deb when we were first married and they, they didn't cut it. They didn't cut it. Uh, I don't think they ever cut it, flowers. that weren't particularly the big thing. But if, the, if it was busy and I walked past the sink and didn't help with the dishes or didn't, didn't actually have what was called acts of service, then I don't think I was communicating ever love. I can remember going with John... Shap once on a missions trip and John was telling me I've got to get some gifts for Julie on the way back and I'm thinking gee that's not my love language sort of thing but John says if I don't do that Julie's got no idea that I was thinking about her while I was away so there's all sort of things in here you gotta you gotta know you gotta know um you gotta know where the language is I guess but it's it is it is acts it's something we've got to do. It's more than just thoughts going through your head. I can remember being at Centrelink when I was in my office job many, few, you know, in another life. I worked in Centrelink for about 15 years. And uh, I was younger in the Lord and I was, I was, you know, I was wanting to please God. I was working hard in there. I was a good, good little employee. And, uh, you know, sometimes I thought I was a very good employee, you know. 
and uh, do my best. And I thought my work ethic and the neatness of my desk and the, my ability to get everything done, you know, and be very much in front of my job would be my best witness. But I soon learned that what actually would testify to my work colleagues was acts of kindness. And actually when they were behind and I was in front, that I actually would reach out and help them. And, uh, you know, I don't know why it took me a while to work that one out. It was in the Bible when I was reading that book. But anyway, I eventually did work that out. In Rome, they talk about, in the Roman Empire days, there was a guy named Julian who became emperor in 361. And his passion was to revive paganism. And to his disgust, the the pagan religion which belonged to Rome was declining due to the rise of this new faith over the last few hundred years called, called Christianity. So he wrote a letter to a pagan priest and he detailed the characteristics he believed were the reasons for the growth of that religion. He wrote these words. He says, those impious Christians support both their own poor and ours as well while all people see that they they lack aid from us. These guys were helping people. These guys were reaching um, not just to the needs amongst themselves, but to outside of themselves. These guys were doing what Jesus says, as I have loved you, you know, love others. I'd like to finish with a little parable in Matthew 25. You can turn there if you want. We all know it. This often speaks to me. Um, sometimes I think, I think I, you know, often think to preach from this. I really like parables, but this one often sort of troubles me a bit. And there's a few things that aren't always clear, but there's a few things that are v- v- very clear. In in Matthew twenty five thirty one, it says, "When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him." Then he will sit on his, on his glorious throne. This is a pretty big occasion. This is Jesus has returned. This is the age to come. This is the kingdom has really arrived in full. However we want to see this, you might have all sorts of views around this, but this is a big day. It says, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me.
and it goes on to talk about the others who were on the flip side. But there's a whole lot of things in there. It's, you can almost think, you know, is, is this about that we're just meant to help the poor, that that'll get us to heaven? It'll sort of get, you know, that that's what the message is about. You know, there's, I don't, I don't think so because we're saved by grace and the Bible's very clear about all those things. But what is clear to me is, is, is that the sheep, those who were the righteous, those that were doing these acts of love to Jesus, they were unaware of what they were doing. That's the one thing that's clear to me. They had no idea that what they did, they were doing anything significant or anything for Jesus. But they were doing it for the least of these, my brothers. They were loving one another. And what it speaks to me is that it was culture. You know, it's a, a word gets used a lot today, but that's, but that's what it was. It's just who they were. It's just what they did, unaware. They just got about being who they were, what God had called, called, called them to be. They just got around laying down their lives for one another and then one day they heard the, the commendation of Jesus saying, as you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. It was not a strategy. It was not a job they were asked to do. It's just who they were. They were following him. I remember we did a whole lot of stuff called uh, natural church development or something and it was called ncd it was all about if you look after the health of a church everything grows by itself it was all based around that verse that uh, a farmer went out to sow and he put the seed in the ground and he went to bed but it grew all by itself it's just part of its nature for that seed to grow if you have the conditions right the seed will grow. And I thought, that's almost what, what this is like. If we're just being who we're called to be, if, if we are a, a people that love one another and love people, um, all, all that is about that vision there, it'll just happen all by itself if we just get the key of love really working. I often find this other little phrase, the least of these, my brothers. It's obviously the body of Christ. It's, you know, we should love one another. Um, uh, Jesus said, it's not, you know, that, um, in, you know, in Christ, Paul, Paul said there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. But... God does seem to have this bias for people in need. Do you find that? You read, read scripture time and time again and we are called to never ignore a real need. We are, not, we are called to never walk past and ignore the need of the least of these. Um, Jesus had a habit of, of hanging out in man, 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 mangers. That's where he was born God protects the widow and the orphans, reaches out to lepers, he washes feet, he does all these things, that is where the least of these are. And uh, we have to have an open heart to them. 
So anyway, my challenge today, my reminder is mother's love is just reflective of God's love, but God's love transcends it all. His love is overwhelming. He loves us so much and uh, we're called to love others, especially one another. And when we realise how much God loves us, first thing that comes to our mind is God loves everybody else the same way. Do you, do you ever think like that? You think, God, I know how much you love me. You feel like that towards all of mankind. We need him. We need him. It says we love him because he first loved us. And uh, we need a relationship with God. The more closer we get to him, the more we love people. Paul, Paul, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. There's something about the love of God that compels us to act and to do uh, the heart of God. God's great love not only demands a response, it powers a response. And um, his greatest love is revealed in Jesus and at the cross. And I just encourage you today, go and do likewise. Let's love him. Uh, He's loved us. Let's love one another and let's reach out and love. And let's see with, you know, as love just becomes more and more just culture in our church and in our own lives, um, with with the fire of God and the spirit of God in, in, in our hearts as well, Uh, we can change a town. We can see God reach people. God bless you all.